are now listening to PursuitCast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. May it be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. Welcome everybody to another episode of Pursuit Cast, and once again we have a another very special guest, a uh, man of God, uh, Pastor Ryan Faison. Hey, Pastor Ryan, how are you? Hey, Sam, how are you, man? I'm great. I'm great. How about you? Good, good, awesome. Thank you so much for taking time uh, to just join us here on the podcast and just hang out with us. Oh, it's my honor. I've been listening to uh, Pursuit NYC and the podcast, and it's been a blessing to me. So thank you for the opportunity. I'm excited. Of course, of course. Thank you for being one of the listeners, too. Um, (laughs) Yeah, if you could share with the listeners um, just who you are and what you do. Sure. Well, uh, first, I always say I'm a child of God. I'm I'm a worshiper. I love love the Lord. and um, I'm a husband of five years to my beautiful wife. Kristen, but in my official capacity, um, I'm the College and Young Adults Pastor at Christ Church. Uh, We have two locations, two campuses, one in Montclair, New Jersey, and the other in Rockaway, New Jersey. I also have the opportunity to be a member of the preaching team. Since we have about seven services on a weekend, it's important that our teaching team uh, shares the weight of responsibility of sharing God's word. So it's a joy being a part of that team. And I'm also been a worship leader at Christ Church for a number of years. In addition to that, I'm a mentor, but I'm also thankful to be a mentee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, although I've been mentored, uh, you know, and over the years and have been given the opportunity to mentor other people, I, uh, I'm so excited that I'm also in the season of being mentored and being shaped and getting the perspective of other leaders so that I can grow. So that's Ryan pretty much in a nutshell. <laughs> Great. Um, I mean, I, I've seen you and met you before, and, and I've in every context I've seen you, you're, you're always serving and, and leading and emceeing and, and, <laughs> and all of these things. Um, you know, how would you define uh, what a leader is? Wow. You know, when I, when I think about a leader, there, there's a really like a working definition that uh, has helped me along my journey. Mm-hmm. It, it's a little bit long, but I'll, I'll parse it out a little bit. And pretty much I, I, I view a, a leader as being a visionary and influencer mm-hmm. who accomplishes purpose-filled plans that are beyond themselves. Um, you know, Proverbs 29, verse 18, it tells us that without a vision, people perish, or other translations, it says uh, that without a vision, people cast off restraint. Yeah. So if y- you don't know where you're going, how then can you ask people to follow? It's like being in a car. You know, I, I've done this often where uh, people are tagging behind me, and I said, okay, we're on our way, and I haven't given them any direction. <laughs> they don't know how to prepare on the highway. They need more gas. So it's important as a leader that we are casting vision, that we're giving, you know, what's our destination? Um, but also I think that needs to be coupled with influence. Uh, you can have a vision, but do you have influence? And that takes trust. That takes a responsibility. It takes, it takes investment in people. And I've just have grown in that area of my life where, you know, oftentimes it's not a checklist, mm-hmm. you know, on a, t- a to-do list, but honestly, it's a, 
a deep ownership of serving others, being there for them. And as a result, uh, you can glean and you can gain influence from that. You know, as in a role as a pastor and a leader, I've learned the power of influence by imagining together what could be. Mm, what, what, you know, if we do this together, what could happen? You know, if we, if we set our focus and our priorities and our discipline in this, imagine what could happen. It's like painting the picture, creating that model. So I've learned over the years, I mean, I, you know, first of all, influence is not domineering in any way. It's not abusive. It's mm -hmm. not manipulative. It's really the model that Jesus showed us. It's life-giving. It's transformational. Uh, and I would also add it's engaging, get, getting the heart of other people, even as you get the heart of God. Uh, so you can have the vision, I said, vision and influence, but you need a plan. <laughs> you, you need a clear plan. And as a leader, I've learned that the core definition of being one is having one, having a plan. Uh, the word says, commit the, your plans to the Lord and they shall succeed. Mm -hmm. So there's already an assumption that you have a plan, <laughs> that you've worked on it, that you prayed about it. And uh, over the years, I've just seen uh, some struggle with this because mm -hmm. they thought that their position or their title or their role was leadership. And it may identify your role in a given organization, but it really doesn't define you um, as a person. That's good. You know, so plans help you really get on track. You know, our, our lead pastor at Christ Church, Dr. David Ireland, he he has been emphasizing for many years SMART goals. And for those that don't know what SMART goals are, it's an acronym. The S stands for specific, M stands for measurable, A stands for achievable or attainable, uh, the R stands for realistic, and T stands for timely. It's, it's like in my DNA. So uh, we, we've gone over it so often that... Um, every time I set a goal, whether it be for our team, um, our young adult team, our college ministry team, or um, within the church, or even outside the church, is it specific enough where you're helping people get to that place and they can say, wow, we accomplished something together. Um, and I believe God honors that. Yeah. But I had mentioned earlier, Sam, that uh, that a leader is a visionary and, and visionary and influencer who accomplishes purpose-filled plans that are beyond themselves. Mm -hmm. That's greater than themselves. And I've learned as a leader that if your leadership is limited to advancing your own personal goals or mm -hmm. improving how you look or how you're received, I think that you're uh, missing the concept of what leadership is all about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, you know, I think leadership compels us to think outside the box, to be creative, and really for a cause that's greater than you, that will outlast you, that will mm. you know outlive you, that will impact generations beyond the generation that you're living in. So that's why, Sam, I really enjoy working with the emerging generation because more often than not, they're driven by cause. Yeah. Um, over charisma. You know, charisma's good. Don't get me wrong. Uh, personality is great. You need that as a leader. Those are qualities that are admirable. But truly, do you have a cause? And have you coalesced your team together to say, this is what we're going after? And we're not going to let up until we get there. So, vision, influence, setting your plans, 
and really something that's greater than you know beyond yourself. I think that that encapsulates what a leader is, you know, leader is all about. Yeah, that's so good. Um, as you were saying, um, you know, leadership isn't position or title, and and as you're saying, it's about influence and, and gaining people's trust. Yeah. Um, just because you have a title doesn't mean you you automatically start influencing, nor <laughs> doesn't mean that people automatically trust you either. Um, Absolutely. In your experience, what have been some ways where you were able to uh, build that level of trust with people as well as influence? Sure. I, I think a lot of it has to do with not only um, being close and saying, hey, how can I be of service to you? How can I serve you? But that you're transparent, that you're open. Uh, people sense that from you. They, they, it doesn't take someone that's greatly discerning to catch, you know, is that person open enough where, although I'm sharing my issues or my concerns or even my crisis in life, that they're going to also share with me. And it's, and it's like a beautiful exchange that happens. Um, I also think trust is really needed. That when you say something, you can bank on it. Uh, that your yes is your yes and your no is your no. That has been something I've learned over the years, that your word is your bond. Yeah. And if you're unable to do something, it's okay to admit that. It's okay to confess that. Um, but let's not overpromise and underdeliver. Yeah, you know, let's not, you know, let's not be in a place where we give these grand, you know, grand visions and this is what we're going to have this is what's going to happen and this is going to happen and then over time because of maybe lack of planning or lack of relationship um, or maybe even lack of resources that could have been gathered by connection but that has failed to happen i think over time um your credibility gets shot <laughs> i mean it's it's like i don't know if i can trust you anymore i've heard what you said but i watch what you do and they're not consistent. So I, I really feel that influence uh, really does take time. It takes an openness and a transparency, but a willingness to say, this is what I can, what I can do, and this is what I can't do. I'm, I want to be open with you about the boundaries uh, or my limitations, and that's why I want you on our team. That's mm -hmm. why I want us to do this together, because what I don't have, you can help me. And what you have complements where we're trying to go. And we need you. You know, there, there also needs to be a, um, it's not as if, oh, well, if you join us, great. If you don't, well, we'll get somebody else. <laughs> there, there should be a, we want you. We want the gifts, your skill sets, your talent, your personality, what you bring to the table. I think when people feel and sense that they're needed, that they're wanted, um, there's a greater level of influence that you can have. And again, it's not domineering, but it's coming alongside and saying, we're going to be, able, we're going to do this together. Yeah. And even through the challenges and times when we don't, uh, maybe, maybe we don't understand every uh, crossroads and intersection on, on this journey, but we're going to learn and grow together. And I think that's the key. Yeah, that's good. As, as you're developing and growing as a leader and leading sure. yourself, uh, what has helped you most um, in your own personal development as a young leader? <laughs> um, I, I chuckle because um, the, the, 
the first thing that comes to mind is being broken mm. <laughs> in every sense of the word. <laughs> um, and when I say broken, it's not just a moment of brokenness, but even a state or a season of brokenness. Um, it's not meant for you to stay there, but really meant for you to grow there. Mm. So as a leader, um, whether it be within Christ church in ministry, in the community, um, I've been in seasons and I believe I'm in this season now that, uh, of being corrected, <laughs> um, just being disciplined or saying, you know, here's some things that have been observed or this is ways in which you can improve. And I think years ago, I was very defensive, uh, put walls up, felt, ah, you know, they nitpick, they're picking on mm. everything that I don't do. How about the things I do do, you know, and, and being very sensitive in that way. And I've learned over the years that if I'm going to grow, I need to hear the constructive criticism. And I, I say that very clearly, the constructive criticism yeah. of those that, you know, love you, that care about you, that want to see you grow, that want to see you mature. And when you're receptive to that, I believe it helps you to grow by leaps and bounds. There, there are uh, keys of wisdom that I've received over the years that I believe spared me years. Mm. I really do. I, I think it, it, it really helped me not to uh, fall into the traps um, that sometimes people fall into because I was open to the constructive criticism. Um, but Sam, I think another thing that has helped me uh, to grow, what has helped me grow the most is really checking my, my motives. Uh, Why do I do what I do? Um, is it because it's convenient or it's comfortable or it's just what I'm used to doing? I've had to take time to really sit down, to reflect, to pray, to get the heart of God. Yeah. Why am I doing this? Why? Why am I pursuing this? Um, or conversely, why am I not doing something? That, that has also been another question that I've raised uh, in my own life. And I think, uh, which may not be too popular, <laughs> but failing miserably um, and, and failing hard and publicly. Um, and I'm not just talking about a private failure. I mean, publicly, it's, yeah. it's seen, everyone sees it. Um, I, I've learned over the years that, uh, honestly, failure can be a lesson in disguise. Mm. It could really be an opportunity to grow. It's how you respond to it. Um, it's really how you, you view it and say, okay, I know I may have failed in this area, but it doesn't mean I'm a failure. Mm. I might have made a mistake, but it doesn't mean I live perpetually in this place of all I do is make mistakes. no. The, some of the best leaders that I know, some of the best leaders that I've read about or I've observed over the years, they'll tell you, you know, they have failed. They have made plenty of mistakes, but it was through those mistakes that helped them to grow. So I, I, I would say just to being being open to learning through co constructive criticism, really checking my own motives to make sure that I'm um, right before God. Um, right before what I'm doing and am I connected to my vision and also learning from my failures. I think oftentimes we learn from success, which is great, but oftentimes you learn the greatest lessons through our failures. Yeah. And that has helped me. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm I'm just so so blessed. Even just hearing uh, just your heart of submission and humility um, in your own approach to leadership and and you wanting to grow for the sake of others. I mean, I'm just so challenged and encouraged by that as well. Well, praise God. Yeah. Um, uh, as you were saying earlier as well, where um, I mean, it's easy to see a leader with charisma and the things that pop out and all these different things. But in your opinion, what is the most underrated quality of a leader? Character by far. Um, I think that oftentimes we are moved by leaders who have charisma and personality and are really engaging and you love to be around them. You know, they're just passionate and driven. Mm. But I b- believe deep in my heart that one of the most undervalued uh, perspectives of leadership is character. I, I remember John Maxwell, um, leadership expert in sacred and secular arenas. I me- there's something he said that always resonated with me. He says, talent is a gift, but character is a choice. Wow. And when I think on that, there are, Sam... When we look at even our generation, there are so many gifted and talented people. I I think when we even look back on history, the time in which we're living in now, we are not in, we are not low on talent. We are definitely not low on gifts, but the question is, are we low on character? Mm. Have we spent enough time before God, before mentors, really building up uh, and, and strengthening our character because character is who you are when no one's looking. Yeah. Character is how you treat people you don't think you need. Mm. Uh, character is how you respond to, to life's issues and concerns and pressures. I, I, it's not always on public display. Oftentimes it's in, as we say, the secret place but in that time when you have to make decisions yeah. and sometimes uh, character is inconvenient because you want something that's going to be smooth and it's not going to require much sacrifice. And, oh man, do I really have to do that? And no one else is doing it this way, yeah. but character is important. I, uh, so I, speaking on this, uh, one, of, one of my character flaws was time management. I, I had a, a big issue with that. And I remember, I mean, to the point where um, I even had to talk to a pastor about it because <laughs> I had the desire to be on time, <laughs> but I liked the discipline to be on time. And I had to work through, well, why haven't I uh, mastered this? Or why am I not growing in this area? One of the reasons why I was lack of planning. So if I knew I had to be somewhere, let's say eight o'clock in the morning, then, you know, have I considered on the road when I'm traveling construction or traffic? Have I prepared for it? When I arrive, have I given my, myself enough time to settle and to get ready for whatever appointment or meeting or event I have to get ready for? So I had to work through um, why was I having an issue with that? Maybe even lack of preparation, but also sometimes it was not saying no when I needed to say no. Uh, my heart, I, my heart was big where I wanted to help everybody, and I wish I had a double Ryan, but I don't. I don't have a twin. <laughs> I don't have a twin. It's me. So 
you know, God has called me to be a good steward of not only my body and my spirit, but of my time. It's a gift. So what helped me is to recognize, wow, God has given me the gift, the gift of time. It's something that needs to be spent wisely. And what I say and what I commit to is going to inform, shape, craft my character in a way that nothing else will. So over the years, you know, I've had mentors uh, hold me accountable to that, to that, uh, to that standard to say, am I keeping time? Am I, not only did I arrive somewhere, you know, it's not just about being, because, you know, some people pride themselves in being on time and mm-hmm. being there early, but are you prepared for whatever God has prepared for you? Are you, are you in a position where you're ready for the day? You know, and so I've, you know, I've had to make adjustments and I believe that's all a part of character. And I think as a result, opportunities came my way because connected directly to the discipline I did privately. So, um, you know, and at our church, in our church home, you know, uh, the motto is, you know, don't come, come on time, come early. So we're, we're used to that, you know, and that's been something of a standard because it, it honors God. But I shared that one of, and again, that's, that was one of the flaws that I had to work on. But I think when leaders are open and saying, you know what, here's my stuff. This is what I, this is, this has been a stumbling block. I don't want it to be anymore. And if it can be prevented, what do I need to do to make that happen? Um, does that, you know, how do I need to be disciplined? What do I need to do in my life to make adjustments for that change? So I I think character is underrated and it needs to be really lifted up. It needs to be highlighted because oftentimes in our culture, um, we're enamored by celebrity Mm. and, you know, 15 minutes of fame and, and, you know, everyone's, yeah, I mean, we have a lot of celebrities, but not a lot of leaders with character. And I believe, you know, God is calling uh, you young men and young women, especially this generation, to say character is what's going to help you stay, not only maintain, but to grow as a leader over the long haul so that you're not a flash in the pan. You're not, man, how, wow, they're, you know, they got there so fast. I, I'm, I fear that, you know, I, I like, like, like food. I like it to marinate. So, you know, there, there are certain things, there are certain flavors that you cannot get when it's just something prepared quickly. Um, I believe that 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 analogy um, also can be connected to leadership, that there are going to be some lessons you learn. And it's OK if it doesn't happen in the way in which you thought it would or maybe you thought, it. wow, this is taking longer. But I believe it's God's way of helping us develop our foundation and anchor us so that when opportunities come, we're not getting prepared. We're already prepared. Mm. So I believe character is key. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, I think as you're saying character, um, I think people can think of character as something that you need to develop so that you can become a, a good leader, but it's something that will keep you there and maintain you there because we see so many, you know, leaders who, you know, reach a level of success and influence and impact. And yet, you know, somehow, somewhere along the way, they make a shortcut or, or a compromise where the character is lost. Absolutely. And, and just seeing that it's something that you choose, you know, every stage, 
uh, of leadership, not just trying to get that, you know, promotion or whatnot, but it's just who you are uh, throughout the yes. whole process. So yes, amazing. Yes. Um, as a leader, you're sharing earlier as well that uh, part of being a leader is uh, being a visionary, a person of, of vision, direction, mm -hmm. influence. Um, I noticed for me in, in my own journey that it's it's easy to dream, it's easy to have a vision, <laughs> but um, you know what has helped you stay fired up? You know, long after you know paying the price, and and long after it's no longer popular or whatever, but. What helps you stay fired up uh, for a dream and a vision uh, that has got that God has placed within your heart? Wow, um, I, I would I would respond this way just by saying God's promises in His Word, um, and when I see that uh, unfold, whether it be through the Gospels, when I'm Old Testament, New Testament, um, I love hearing, reading. Uh, sometimes listening to stories of the word where you see men and women when they're faced with so many different, I mean, just circumstances and difficulties in life. And yet they stood firm and strong on God's promises, knowing that he wouldn't fail. So for me, I can always tell when um, um, I'm not reading the word or meditating on God's word as I should, because I'm not as fired up. I can tell. Um, so, you know, just maintaining that discipline and wanting to, you know, looking forward to say, I'm going to, although this may have been generations ago, I'm coming alongside my brothers and sisters in Christ. And if they did it in their day, we can certainly do it in ours. And that's what keeps me fired up. You know, another thing, you know, as I'm thinking about this question, uh, opposition fires me up. <laughs> um, just, and it wasn't always the case because sometimes I looked at opposition as, okay, I'm going in the wrong direction or, okay, this must not be God's will. But I, I've learned over time that I take a pause and say, why is this happening now? Why does it feel as if all the attacks are converging at once from the north, south, yeah. east, and west? It just feels like, what is this about? And I've learned over the years um, that opposition oftentimes precedes open doors. Mm, that's good. You know, so sometimes the, the enemy of our souls that desires in any way possible for you not to fulfill God's promises for your life. I mean, he, he will do everything to discourage, to keep you dismayed, to keep you disappointed in a place where you're saying, you know, I just want to give up. I throw in the towel, but I've learned it's in those moments that you have to take a step back, pause and say, God, although this is coming at me, this might have surprised me, but why is this happening? Can you g give me insight as to why this is happening? And that keeps me fired up, um, at, you know, in our team, in our college and young adults ministry team. I mean, we deal with all kinds of different opposition. It may be on a college campus where we have someone that doesn't believe in God and may r wrestle with that. It may come up with, you know, intellectual arguments to try to keep us stymied or, oh, you know, I got you there. And we learn, you know, what keeps us fired up is sharing our stories. Um, right now we're starting a new series called storytellers and, uh, sharing the story that changed everything. And, and, you know, and, and we look at that as, 
you know, we want to empower young adults. We want to empower this generation to share their stories, to share how God has changed their life, because I believe that keeps our passion, our drive going, even when we're up against opposition or attack or lack. Um, and I would say finally, to answer your question, I think um, other leaders and friends of mine, uh, I, you know, I am so thankful for friends that are in ministry, you know, some of my friends that take my phone calls and hear me out <laughs> when I'm, when I'm going through it, I'm saying, okay, how do I handle this? Or, you know, what's your perspective or what am I not seeing? And I'm thankful for their relationship. I think I'm thankful for their friendship, for their brotherhood. I, I'm thankful for those that have poured into me, but also it keeps me fired up when I see young leaders um, doing great things for God. Um, and oftentimes, um, especially in our culture today, we have a lot of uh, those that are competing against one another mm. rather than complimenting one another and yeah, saying, sure. how can, you know, and, you know, Sam, and I mean, I've, I, you know, and, I, and I've seen it and it's discouraging at times, but I've learned the power of collaboration to say, hey, if you're doing something well, can we come alongside of you? Or there's something that, you know, you have excelled at through years, prayer, fasting, plans, vision. And can I glean from that? Can I learn from that? And I've, that keeps my fire going as well to, to see how leaders are able to overcome. Friends of mine who, you know, personally uh, and also professionally have risen to the occasion. And it not only does it warm my heart, but I said, we have to get going here. Um, and they encourage me to keep it going. So although I have a lot of dreams and vision and things that I would like to see accomplished, I also know that it takes teamwork, it takes effort, but it also takes relationship to help, you know, iron sharpening iron. I really yes, believe okay. in that. And I believe God's going to, and I believe God's doing that even more um, and opening up those doors of relationships and connections in our generation for sure for sure amen i mean i just love everything you're saying because um you know i noticed for myself too where it's hard not to you know be on fire when you're with other people who are already burning for jesus you know <laughs> exactly surrounding yourself with other people and just encouraging one another just like you're saying you know iron sharpening iron i mean just yeah. i just love that um, at this point, uh, uh, just just kind of transitioning in the podcast, uh, what is your definition of revival here at Pursuit? Um, our vision is to see revival take place in our region, in our generation, to see God do what only God can do, uh, so that He will, you know, be the only one that receives the glory for it. So that's just really our passion, our desire, our our vision. Um, so, how would you personally define the word revival? Sure. But before I answer that question, though, I just want to applaud you and thank you for pushing that effort for revival in our generation. I know it's not an easy task. I know it requires much sacrifice. So I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for that. You know, I, you know, when I was in seminary, I went to Nyack Alliance Theological uh, Seminary and, uh, I, I, I enjoyed studying revival. I, you know, Charles Finney and 
looking at revival lectures and Jonathan Edwards and just, just taking it all in. And I remember reading a, a book about revival history or spiritual awakenings, uh, even in our region. Uh, when I say in our region, the New Jersey tri-state area. And mm-hmm. I remember reading and that uh, the author of this book mentioned how there was not a spiritual awakening that took place without united prayer, mm. without a concert of prayer. Wow. And, um, you know, after reading that, it, it caused me to think that oftentimes I believe revival's not happening or revival, the way in which we desire to see it, hasn't taken root because we have not been united in prayer, united in focus. Wow. Um, and But I'm seeing more and more of it not just geographically, but even regionally where we are, where men and women and young people are coming together and saying, uh, we want to see revival in our generation. We want to see revival in our region. And we're not going to let this go. We are so passionate about it that we will pray, we will fast, we will declare it, we will declare it by faith. And for me, I believe revival starts with united prayer, but also it begins with a genuine repentance of sin. Yeah. For the believer in Christ, but also for those that do not believe in Christ, for those that are in the marketplace, for those that are in different sectors of society, saying, I don't know what's going on here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't have all the answers, but I'm convicted of my wrongdoing. I'm convicted that there's something changing in me i'm seeing the error of my ways i believe revival revival starts that way with united prayer and a genuine repentance of sin i'm i'm turning away from those things that have stymied me that have caused me to be stuck where i am and not move forward and not progress um in a way that god desires for me to um but i will also add i think there's a greater response to the scriptures I think we just don't read it from a historical text. We read it from a place of personal and present conviction that this word is alive. God's word is alive. And it's a living, breathing uh, instructions for us of how to live and how to pursue the things of God. And I believe that when we have a greater response to the scriptures, what will happen in a revival atmosphere and a spiritual awakening is that we will be in a place where we could see the truth of scripture and we can also discern what has been falsely propagated, mm-hmm. what has been, been said but is wrong. And I think when men and women and young people come together and say, we declare the truth of scripture, um, that, that has a powerful, powerful effect. And uh, lastly, I think revival is a greater love and sensitive sensitivity for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, wherever they may come from, no matter race, ethnicity, culture, experiences, backgrounds, no matter what their history may have been, there's a, a greater love and sensitivity for their heart. You want to see. Not not just conversion, because I hear that often when it deals yeah. with revival. You know, we want to see people come to Christ. That Yes, we do. But we also want to see disciples of Christ that are power-filled, spirit-filled, that can walk in any environment, and the atmosphere changes. 
Mm. You know, when I look at scripture and I see Peter walking and his shadow healed people, <laughs> um, you know, Jesus declared by faith things and it, it happened. And oftentimes we find ourselves lacking, not, we have a lot of description, but we're not seeing a lot of demonstration um of the power of god so we're hearing great sermons and we're singing great songs but i think revival when it's united in prayer and there's a repentance of sin and there's an awareness of the scriptures and the truth of the scriptures i really believe sam that when those things come together and they converge we're going to see a demonstration of god's power that we've never seen before Amen. And it, we won't have to describe much <laughs> because men and women will see it. Young people will see it. I believe revival also includes our children, that our children will be prophesying and declaring a thing and they will be working in miracle signs and wonders. They're, they're not too young. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a, I, that's how I look at it. And, you know, t I, I've been really thinking a lot about revival because in our church, we, we, we do talk about it and we we keep that as a focus. We have an event called Prayer Fest um, annually every year. And we, we, we speak, we declare, um, we give declarative anthems about revival. But for me, on a personal level, the scripture that resonates with me and I call it a revival scripture, is Psalm 139. Mm. When David, the psalmist, when he writes, Lord, you've searched me, you know me, you know when I rise, you know when I sit down. He, he's making a declaration of truth in the beginning of the psalm. But towards the end of that psalm, he then says, search me, O Lord. And if there's any wicked thing, or other translations say, if there's any offensive thing in me, you know, bring it to light. Show me that I may lead in ways everlasting. Show me. Bring it to bring it to my remembrance. And if it's something I never thought about before, Father, would you bring it before me so that I can make those adjustments by your grace, that I can make changes, that I can repent, that I can say, God, I no longer want to do that. And I think um, on a personal level, you know, that's a bold prayer. Sam, that, that's, a, that's a bold prayer to pray, Lord, search me. Um, because sometimes uh, there are things that God will bring to the surface that you thought, uh, well, I, I, I thought I was over that. <laughs> or I, I thought I forgave that person. Or, you know, I thought that wasn't an issue for me anymore. But I, I believe wholeheartedly that when we invite God as our inspector, check us, Lord. Lord, everything's open to you. I'm not withholding anything, but I give it to you. Search me. I really do believe when we do that on a personal level in our journey of faith, and we do it as a community, search us, O oh Lord. Mm. What, what have we been doing collectively, corporately, that has either suppressed or stymied or dismissed the spirit of God and what he wanted to do? You know, uh, one of the things that, I, you know, I've struggled with in, in leadership and in my, um, in my role is just serving and ministering is that sometimes we don't have enough time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, you're running and you're doing and you're having to do this. And I believe God is calling the church. He's calling the church globally to 
be in a place of sensitivity and openness and not so quickly rush what he wants to do. But are you in lockstep with the spirit? Are you willing for God to search you so that he can show you that then you can repent and then you can say, God, we are empowered by your grace and by your spirit to do great things in our generation. So I'm excited. I, I believe that, you know, when we look at our TV screens and we're hearing about the presidential election and all the things that are happening around the world, I understand, I understand how mm -hmm. Christians can become disappointed or dismayed or say, you know, I, I don't know what, what, what's happening here. I, you know, the 24-hour news cycle can become overwhelming. Yeah. But I will say it's precisely during these times precisely during these times of opposition and uh, and bewilderment and confusion it's during these times that god raises up a generation to stand up to raise a standard to speak to a culture that's longing for answers they may not voice it but they're longing for it in their heart and i believe that we're primed in position to do it as a church and as a generation i really believe it i'm excited yeah, amen. I mean, I think that's one, been one of the things that, you know, I personally have been thinking about and wrestling is, you know, how, you know, believers, you know, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure well, well-intentioned, you know, people who love God and, and all those things where, you know, they get so discouraged or, or offended even that the world is the world. You yes. Know, they get intimidated <laughs> that the world is dark, that there's darkness. But if we're called to be light, I mean, that's exactly where we're called to do, you know? Um, I mean, the best way I've heard it is, you know, darkness is good for business because we're light, you know? <laughs> That's right. And, you know, Sam, darkness is the absence of light. Yeah. There's really no, you know, we say darkness, but that describes the absence of light. Mm -hmm. So we are, we are marked and positioned to be a light in a world that needs it. And, and I believe what you're doing through Pursuit and what other ministries are doing um, and people are doing. I, I believe there's, there is a call that God is releasing in the spirit. And I believe that we are in a unique position to bring about change. Amen. If only we would seize it. So that's my prayer. That's Amen. my prayer. Amen. And just like you're saying that, you know, what God is doing, I, I mean, I really believe this in our region, but the connections and the collaboration that he is building, I, I really sense it happening. So it's, Amen. it's, it's what a time, you know, to, yes. to be uh, on board with Jesus and, and linked arms with one another. It's, it's, it's amazing. So, so, yeah, thank you so much for taking time once again to for joining us. Um, you know, how can people find out more information about you and, and just stay connected to you, your ministry, and all of the above? Sure. Well, um, you can go to my website. Um, it's my blog, and uh, it's ryanfason.com. And if you're on, let me think, Twitter, Instagram, Periscope, Snapchat, um, <laughs> all the different platforms. You can find me at Ryan Faison, and um, that's my handle at Ryan Faison. And uh, I would love to connect and uh, with your listeners, and 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 hopefully uh, we'll get these revival fires started. Yeah, um, in conversation and in prayer for sure. Definitely. I mean, and we definitely have to have you back. This was fun. This was awesome. So, oh, thank you. Yeah, it was an honor to be a part. Yeah. Definitely. 
And for all of you guys who are tuning in, thank you so much for joining us for another episode. I will catch you on the next podcast. Until then, God bless. Thank you for listening to PursuitCast. For more information on the ministry of Pursuit NYC, please visit us on the web at www.pursuitnyc.org. Revival or bust.